1: Hey, everybody. This week is a really exciting episode as Apple released Apple Pay,
0: among other things. Brian and Faisal together give an in-depth analysis, break us down. I didn't actually participate in this episode, but we hear all about
1: Brian's predictions, Faisal's predictions. Brian attended the event, so we get to hear all about his experience there, as well as a little bit of background information on, on what happened previously, how Apple came to realize that they would even want to go into payments with iTunes and the aggregation of funds. Uh, really an interesting story there. And they both reveal some business opportunities and how companies are going to have to shift. Really interesting, interesting conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, leave any any comments or feedback you have and uh, hope you enjoy
2: Good morning, Brian. How are you?
1: Good morning, Faisal. I am doing wonderfully. Well, How are you doing today?
2: Doing good. The big news of the world this week, Apple Pay.
1: Wow, what a journey uh, for Apple, a journey for me also. I've um, I've been an observer of payments for 30 years and uh, observer of Apple and their patents for probably just as long. And i uh, it's so phenomenal that um, my love of Apple and technology and my love of payments finally kind of converged upon Apple in this uh, September 9th event. And um, Mm -hmm. I can't say it, there's been more of a busier time in my life. Um, The, the weeks um, running up to the event and the days after the event are becoming a bit of a blur. There've been countless people that have been contacting me. What do you think is going to happen? And, uh, rather amazingly uh, notable individuals, if you if you would, uh, that uh, I've been privileged to have spent some time with, um, even before the event and, and after the event, really getting to strategy conversations about what is going to change in the world. And there's a lot of confusion, a lot of dust is up in the air. And unfortunately, a lot of business models are broken after September 9th, 2014. And, um, so, basically, so, so, the so theme h- here.
2: how about you start? You know, what what led to the convergence?
1: Well, it really was in the mind of Steve Jobs in the early two thousands when he was building the iTunes model. Um, he really didn't see payments, I don't think, as as a, a massive uh, part of Apple until he started realizing that. Uh, To make the 99 cent song valuable, the payment aspect has to be less of a component. And um, a group of um, payment uh, experts uh, worked with Apple to um, create the aggregation model we're all familiar with. When we recommended that, uh, it was highly unique. Nobody had thought about that before. And uh, it allows you as a company that has a 99 cent item to uh, use algorithms to determine whether or not you should let that charge go through right this moment or wait at some pre-described period of time to um, uh, aggregate maybe 10 transactions. Our assumption was if you bought one song on Tuesday, you might buy 12 other songs from the same album On Wednesday, So let's hold off. The reason why that was important is the transaction fees that were associated would be a single transaction fee instead of 12 Mm, transaction mm. fees. So Steve knew from that point on, I think, that Apple would be in payments. And patents started rolling in applications in the early 2000s, but they really started taking off in 2008 uh, with the release of the iPhone 1. And um, all of them, almost every single one of them were NFC-based. And um, frankly, it was not even a single doubt in my mind uh, in 2008. Moving forward, that Apple would be, you know, involved in NFC. Uh, they hired um, the inventor of the most successful wallet in the United States, uh, Benjamin Viger. Uh He was materially important for creating the Starbucks wallet when he was at M Foundry. Uh, Benjamin has been uh, deep inside of Apple, working at Apple Retail and most definitely influenced the direction of Apple with NFC, along with um, uh, Eddie Q and and, uh, Jennifer, who was formerly um, uh, part of retail also. They're building one of the most amazing companies uh, within a company uh, concerning payments. The brilliance was, and I knew this from day one, is Apple never bought into this invalid, it is invalid, and childish notion of disruption. Disruption would mean, in payments, replacing every single part of the ecosystem. And nobody's going to do that 100%, not even Bitcoin. There are elements that need to maintain because they just have to be there, and that could be another show. So approaching payments with uh, an element of disruption would have been the invalid way of doing this. The unfortunate aspect is, in the glory days of payment startup disruption, let's call that 2010 to 2012, this is all that everybody wanted to talk about. And Apple just was the Cheshire cat smiling down and saying, God, you guys are getting it so wrong. Some of these payment startups...
2: In 2010, they, you're referring to uh, Square.
1: Square, uh, a, a whole litany of them. Square is certainly the remarkable example. Mm-hmm. During this phase, if they would have understood, clearly understood Apple's ambitions, and the information was there in the patents, right? We decode these patents... Uh, Apple is more than happy for the world to decode them and do with it what they will. And that's what I did. And I used that as a proof set to many uh, VCs and founders. And I said, listen, what would the world look like if you built your model around Apple being the wallet? And that was unilaterally, 100% rejected to such a point that I was branded a charlatan and a heretic for even recommending it. In fact, black blacklisted And barred from being uh, involved in some conversations within the startup community because of that. Uh, The unfortunate part was my ambition would have been to take these startups and to raise them up to such a level to create value for not only Apple, but the entire ecosystem by not working against them and disrupting the payment ecosystem, but opening it up and uh, working with them. Which is exactly what Apple did, and is exactly the strategy I said was would be necessary to be successful as a payment startup. If if this would have been thought out and listened to with detail, uh, Jack Dorsey would have been on the stage on September ninth, twenty fourteen, announcing their uh, a wallet that they created with Apple, either as an Apple employee uh, heading up payments, or perhaps as a, as a chief partner.
0: The big. And statement. I'm not
1: talking. Yeah, this is exactly. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that that would have happened if there was empirical paraxis at the time uh, that was necessary. But moving forward, that's fine. Uh, where is Apple today? Because of the patents that they assembled, the very most important patent is Touch ID and uh, and, uh, and the whole acquisition uh, that uh, that formed Touch ID. Uh, we're talking about this idea, Uh, of completely locking down the payment security element. Uh, We're talking about up until the point of Apple buying Touch ID. Again, they had patents. that They were using uh, biometrics, primarily fingerprints, as a way to secure devices. I said payments is going to be a narrative about real and implied implicit security. Mm -hmm. And if you don't embrace that aggressively, your payment ambitions of making a wallet will be destroyed. And so Apple went about the business of uh, buying Authentec, The most amazing set of patents, the most amazing set of individuals who have made Touch ID become a touch and not a swipe. It's very important. If you look at all other fingerprint sensors in the market, you have to move your finger over it. It's a motion. Touch ID is a touch. This is important. Now, Fast forward to today, what is the payment mechanism uh, for Apple Pay? The payment mechanism is for NFC and using it in the retail space is you hold your phone up to the NFC customer facing device and you press your thumb and you're done.
2: On the home the button. Th-
1: on the home button. So you're, you're so thumb. you're
2: being verified, uh, you're being authenticated by the fingerprint
1: better than any other system ever created in payments before. Here's why. We got your biometrics inside mm-hmm. uh, the secured enclave. We have your ID secured from the payment card companies. token authority. And the way this all works is there's something called a token authority. And mm-hmm. I don't want to digress too deeply into it, but in another show, we really need to go into what this really means, mm-hmm. uh, which has authenticated you as a, as the individual and indirectly tied without giving up your biometrics, have tied inside the secured element and the secured enclave, which, by the way, may be exactly the same chip. Um, it's just a new wording, uh, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll dive into that some future, Dave, also. Uh, we have this you being linked to your ID, but fully encrypted and then tokenized. And what is a tokenization? A tokenization is nothing more than a one-time use credit card number or debit card number, whatever you yeah, want to call it. Yeah. So when that number is transferred over NFC, it's it's encrypted within the basic NFC uh, protocol. It's not, a, it's not a, a deep encryption, by the way, and it's been broken. Who cares? Why? Because the information that's being sent over doesn't even need to be hidden uh, from a, a practical standpoint. because it, it is only useful to that merchant at that particular moment of time and for a particular amount, and it's done. So and, and this is all done in a real time setting. So once that payment uh, data is retrieved, uh, it is uh, it expires essentially expires that card. So
2: two questions: the token. Needless to say, the backend systems need to understand the token, right? Because no, that have-
1: no. Here's the beauty of it, of ISIL. This is this is what Apple pushed for. They push for a pan, a number that was. Exactly like a standard credit card number, so it would be fully compatible with every existing NFC-ready payment card device. No For Apple Pay 1.0, we're going to be talking uh, about Apple Pay 2.0 and 3.0 because there's much more richness to this Mm -hmm. than anybody could possibly imagine. But in Apple Pay 1.0, Apple does not require anything of the merchant other than to go to their payment uh, service provider, which in this case is... An amazing endorsement of the of the existing payment card companies. Apple. I got to digress for one second here. Apple went about the business of not only negotiating with banks, the top ten banks in the U.S. Uh, and some of the other ones in the world. We'll cover that in the future also. Uh, but also Visa and Mastercard and American Express and all the top processing companies and all the top equipment companies. Missing from the conversation were companies that sold dongles on iPads. They were not a part of the conversation. And PayPal, notably, was missing from the conversation. So Apple went to the existing players and said, listen, we want to make your existing infrastructure better. We're almost like a business consultant that came in and looked at the entire problem, just like Tim Cook said. And rather than having a hidden agenda of finding ways uh, to... uh, you know, push forward our uh, our agenda. Our the agenda is going to align with you. We want to secure that card so much that you would be saving money from a lack of um, uh, illegal activity with these cards. That you would want to pay us, and you'd still be saving money. So the premise that Apple used, and they used a lot of charts and graphs to demonstrate this, that if X percent of cards were secured in this manner the banks would save X billion of dollars in losses from stolen credit cards. Um, And we're only asking for a small percentage of the savings. So Apple did not ask for a payoff. They asked for a percentage of the savings. It is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And even the most insightful Domain expert in this industry has missed that. They just said, oh, Apple's getting a kickback for for doing this. No, it's not It's not even that. It is much deeper. The premise that was uh, used, and this is probably the first time many people hear this, is that look at how many billions of dollars we're saving. Um, that savings is going to be there. Why not give us a reward for doing that? That's exactly the foundational premise. That's what turned all the major banks around because uh, initially they were sort of tacit to this. And that's why they created an entire new, this whole concept of card present, card not present, will be an irrelevant designation. Uh, in the future, we're going to be talking about biometric uh, and location data present versus biometric and data location not present. You know, this this is going to be a big thing. Uh, biometrics are going to play an important part. Now, notice I'm using the word biometrics and not fingerprint. Because we moved to, to, uh, to Apple Watch. Apple Watch is using another form of biometrics. It's not a fingerprint. It is your unique fingerprint that comes from your body. And it, I, I, I can't go into really deep details about it, but certainly your heart rate and, uh, and uh, the immediate area where you, that watch is being attached. Now, what does that watch represent as a payment system? Well, when the dust settles, and we have 2020 hindsight for a few years ahead. We're gonna look back and see the watch may, in fact, have been one of the big leading edges on why Apple Pay really took off. Because I've done empirical research for decades, and one of the things I've noticed just around uh, a few months after iPhone 1 is that people really did not wanna put their phone in their pocket anymore. And, um, Uh, Before we started the show, I was talking about some research I did to clear my head yesterday, which was a Saturday morning. I went to my local Target in suburban Southern California, not a particularly high-income area, but not a poor area either. And I noted uh, in 15-minute spurts, three studies, uh, I counted every single person that had their phone out. It was up into the 92 percentile. And uh, the only reason why a vast majority of those uh, ones that didn't have their phone out, um, you know, some I kind of iffy was counting it. A few women kind of put it in a different part of their chest cavity. Temporarily, some were holding it in their mouth and uh, sometimes they'd give it to the baby while they're holding it so that they can take out their purse so that they can pay. The reality is, and the brilliance of this, is this is a reinforcement of practical and pragmatic empirical research. What Apple did is they notated very early on that people have their phone out already and that it is a logical extension to just hold that phone to a device. The people that had these political proclamations about NFC, and I I would urge, just so people can understand just how bad this was politically, do a search with the words NFC is dead and make a note of who said NFC was dead and most definitely says NFC solves no problem that the merchant or consumer has. Well, I think the media
2: said that a lot more than uh, the OEMs themselves.
1: No, it wasn't OEMs. It was experts in payments. It was experts at startups. It was venture capitalists. people that should have known better.
2: So they didn't see the lead companies adopting NFC. Uh, and, they, and they kept going, well, see, Apple doesn't have it, so that means NFC is dead. Yeah. You know, yeah, four, yeah. four didn't get it. They said, well, NFC is almost dead. When, five, when yeah. five came out and no NFC, they said, oh, 100% it's Gravestone. dead. Gravestone. You
1: know? with flowers in front of it. It's all over. But, you know, the thing was, there is that little stickly uh, thing called um, uh, patents. Why would a company... As pervasive as Apple invest hundreds invest
2: of millions of dollars in patents in on NFC. Patents
1: that have right. NFC. What, what is the problem here? I mean, I feel like this is ridiculousness. I don't know understand why people were in such a haze. And and uh, so anyway, you have the phone in your hand. Uh, I, I, and I and I knew this in almost uh, half a dozen so studies. how, I how much before.
2: time is it shaving off?
1: A lot. All right. So in America, after October 15th, uh, 2015, you must have an EMV terminal or you will, as a merchant, start facing more and more significant cost barriers. So, EMV, as you know, in your part of the world, is a very complex group of actions. If you break it down like Deming used to do uh, in time and motion studies, you're, you're reaching for your wallet or your purse. You're taking out the card. You're uh, positioning it the right way. Let's not forget how important it is. It, watch it and study it. I've studied this now in Europe and in other places that are EMV. Uh, and they have PIN, which is another problem. We're not going to get PIN yet, but we will. You know, by 2017, EMV will require pin in the United States, and that's a whole other problem. So you're in the line. You're positioning this card. You Maybe your eyesight isn't perfect. Maybe you're distracted. You put it in first. It doesn't work. You put it in the other way. It does work upside down. There's a number of different ways you can insert that card by mistake, obviously. So let's just say you get it right the first time. you got to put it in. You have to wait for a feedback mechanism to tell you it's okay to remove that card. That in and of itself is adding Seconds. So, a typical EMV transaction in the United States, which is going to be mandatory ultimately by law uh, because of federal law, will soon shift. This is going to add about forty-nine seconds on average to a transaction. Here comes Apple, just like a movie scene being invented with. Breaches at Target, breaches at Home Depot, people getting mad at, uh, at being monitored and, and things just not working. And with violins and Oz, somebody waves their arm with an Apple Watch, puts it back down, grabs a bag with the receipt and leaves. It is going to be phenomenal. This is going to change the way people see payments because you're fuddling around with this old mechanism that served us well. And we were going to place the mag strip with what—a system that's even slower and does even encrypt the data. Most people don't recognize. Even payment experts don't recognize. Yeah, EME does doesn't nothing. encrypt data. Yeah. Nothing to encrypt data, nothing for tokenization, nothing for one-time so,
2: use. So you're shaving off the physical time for reading and uh, or, you know, presenting the payment device and, and so let forth. Let me tell
1: you how uh, important uh, it is for retail. Uh, okay, for no, retail, no. it costs billions of dollars to slow down their lines but when wait, you add it
2: up aggregate. Quick question. Does it Does it shave off any time on the actual authorization process?
1: Yes. Yes, because basically the setup times for EMV, especially the more optimized EMV, uh, sorry, in, NFC, the setup times for NFC and the more optimized versions of this, that Verifone's using. Verifone owns patents from Vivotech. Vivotech was the leader of e, uh, NFC technology in the early 2000s. They're a uh, Santa Clara, uh, California startup. They were really highly anticipated. They were just way before their time. Uh, they finally went bankrupt, and some of their stuff went to Sequent uh, as a wallet, and and the other stuff went to Verifone under the Hypercom acquisition. So Verifone's in a, an incredible position to take advantage of. So the advanced uh, NFC setups that is going to be used on these MX-based terminals, customer-facing terminals, the new, you know, highly glossy black terminals you'll see at uh, the the, uh, the major retailers. Setup time is about a quarter of a second. So when the phone gets within uh, about three and a half inches, Apple's now fine-tuning the distances in software. This is the beauty of their EMV implementation is they can fine-tune distances to how close or how far they want. Notice. The word tap is gone from the uh, from yeah, the nomenclature. Yeah, there's
2: just a wave, I guess.
1: Right. That's right. I, I call it the i wave before it was announced, and I kind of knew the i designation was going away with Steve, unfortunately. And uh, uh, we we're seeing that with Apple Pay. Yeah, no i and pay,
2: just Apple Pay. No,
1: it, it's no. It, and it, actually, it, it, it's
2: just now just a logo and pay. Right? It's a
1: logo, and it's brilliant. And I'll get into why that logo is and why it's called Apple Pay. But anyway, you you're, you're waving. In front of the system, and when you see the commercials, I, I was privileged to see one of the very early commercials of uh, of a busy mom uh, going through a checkout aisle and waving her watch, and in the meantime, sharing her heartbeat with um, her husband, and uh, uh, and the husband sending a picture back of their kid on uh, on a swing or something. And this was heart melting. It was so brilliant and beautiful how the watch will integrate in your life without you taking anything out of your pocket. Now, remember I already said that you have your phone in your hand. That's true. So there is some redundancy between this. But what I think is when we finally remember Apple Pay in a historical context, we're going to remember it as the thing that made the watch so magical to us. Um, I got to tell you, I don't wear a watch. I haven't worn a watch uh, for any other thing than a fashion statement when I needed to Look fashionable for Mm. almost a decade. Uh, I'm I'm known for my bracelets, but uh, I'm probably going to wear a watch. And I and and but get this, I'm a sucker for um, for Kickstarter. I have a draw full of watches. The Martin watch, which is a well, they're not watches anymore,
2: are they, Brian? They're they're multifunctional uh, displays now. You know, they they provide more more information than just time.
1: Faisal think about this think about the fact that Apple thought enough to share your heartbeat with your significant other i mean I, 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 it almost brings tears to your eyes because what you're basically doing is you're taking this foundational fundamental thing about your body and you're you're for a moment giving that person a sh- a snapshot uh, it, it is it is deep and it goes beyond snapchat and uh and selfies, and and this whole paradigm. It's Apple brilliance, and I think it's a crowning achievement of Johnny Ive and Tim Cook uh, in the post, so quick, Steve Jobs
2: era. Quick question that many people have been asking. Is the Apple Watch itself a payment device if you do not own an iPhone?
1: This is a big question, and it's still being debated with an Apple. Um, the problem is, the setup of the secured element requires under most circumstances, um, I believe the iPhone 6. Uh, there because is of the arm chip, right? Well, yes, and I think there might be a, a, a possibility for the fi- uh, 5S to be able to work a way to make watch become a payment system. But, I, I you know, Apple changes her mind a lot at the very last minute. Uh, this iPhone 6 was supposed to be uh, a completely different-looking device up until about seven weeks before they froze the design, which was not that long ago. The problem was the Sapphire um, uh, crucibles were doing a great job. GT technology surpassed the production requirements. It was the machining beyond the c- control of GT, uh, but private contractors in the U.S. and in China machine these uh, uh, Sapphire uh, edges the wrong way. And by the time it was fully understood, it did not meet Apple's specifications. So we won't see Sapphire until 7, I think, uh, most definitely, on, on an iPhone. And it's coming. It It's going to be hermetically sealed. Here's something I need to really make clear. The iWatch has not a single port. It is an iPod that has no headphone port. Mm. I've been trying to tell the world that the end days for the 3.5 millimeter jack yeah. is coming. The, the signaling... Yes, it's Bluetooth, and Apple is really going to promote this, and it's part of the Beats acquisition. I've been trying to get some of these companies. like For example, Square is going to come out with their obligatory NFC reader. It's going to require the 3.5-millimeter jack. By the time they get ramped up to production, they're going to have to eliminate that and make it a a Bluetooth-connected system. They are forever going to be chasing Apple And Apple's going to see them in the rear room. You're getting madder and madder because they can't catch up. Uh, If I were to create, I'm going to give free advice. And this is worth, I think, billions of dollars. And I'm not being egotistical or arrogant. I think history will prove it. If you're going to make a iPhone or iOS device that's going to read a payment card, and you're still going to require a 3.5 millimeter jack, you are profoundly making a mistake. And I have a $10,000 bet that by 2017, if you have done this and you're not losing money, I'll pay $10,000 to a charity. 2017. This is how profound this is. So if, if a board member or an executive or somebody who doesn't think they're very high up in any of these payment companies think that the answer is, okay, we're just going to make a new device that uses 3.5mm and we'll be able to you know, survive in this world. The future of Apple will have not a single wire uh, needed to be connected. Here's what's Apple. Here's what Apple's going to do with lightning. And I'm not saying this is in 7, by the way. In the future, Apple is going to so hermetically seal the iOS device that you're going to have the same type of uh, charging system, inductive, but you're also going to have a lightning cable that's going to be optical. You're going to see two uh, ports that look very much like what you see on the iWatch. Apple Watch, sorry, it's still hard. Uh, on the back of the new iOS Uh, iPhone, and it will magnetically connect to the phone and optically move data in and out of that phone faster than you could ever imagine. Uh, The the speeds on the optical connection for Lightning, um, is uh, it would take about, I think we figured out about 27 seconds to back up the entire phone. So this is the future, not just because... I say so. It's because it's the future direction that the patents have been suggesting. Again, hmm. let's learn from the patents, and it's the future direction of Apple. Apple is getting more and more away from using any external system. It's using the cloud, and it's using wireless technology. So, uh, that's my freebie for this. The rest will cost. But uh, if you're a payment so, start, So,
2: speaking on the cloud, is there a possibility that the payment system, which is somehow right now Apple Pay is tied into the hardware, would be freed from the hardware at some point in time? Yes. So that it could be ported into other systems? I mean, I, I, I think about the... The, you know, you the, get, the the challenge, but then also the opportunity. If Apple were to extend this, uh, you know, Apple Pay into something, let's say, like yeah. iTunes. So here it is. You know, everyone who's right. uh, who's not an Apple fanboy and has a Samsung phone or what have you, well, you know, if you have iTunes, well, guess what? You suddenly have access to iPay.
1: Brilliant. And, and in our pre-show uh, discussion, you brought this up, and it just uh, it's mind blowing. Just how on target you are, Faisal. Is that I think on the roadmap. Is going to be this huge next step, and it's not going to be anytime real, real soon, where Apple essentially takes, like you said, uh, uh, the iTunes model and and brings it over to the Android world. And there's going to be elements just like you know you get some of the iTunes experience, if you will, but not the maximal no no iTunes experience on a Windows device. Apple's hidden agenda is to make the payment system so pervasive and to own elements of this new, this is a new payment system extension. It's not card present. It's not card not present. It's not a card. It is this new paradigm, and and, and people are not getting it. And I, I want to discuss that. Remind me uh, as I go off the farm here. But your brilliance in the iTunes model is the easiest way to conjecture how this would work. They're going to look at ways to say, okay, how can we make an app Even uh, on an Android device, become more of an Apple experience. This is going to be interesting. I I mean, I
2: want to interject here because if they make a separate app, you know, uh, the others may shut them down. But you know, shutting iTunes down on the Android uh, or or the Google Play Store would be, you know, would be death for Android.
1: Well, yeah, there's there's a number of other things that I think you're gonna you're going to see that that'll happen. I think ultimately, even inside of the browser. Uh, HTML5 plus browser, you'll be able to have elements of Apple Pay in retail settings if the phone is already equipped with NFC. There are going to be ways to do this that are beyond. And let's just say companies like Stripe are in an amazing position. Uh, we're going to be hearing more about Stripe uh, than you know companies like Square because they've they've chosen the correct, uh, more correct path. Uh, Stripe was a major beneficiary of uh, app based purchases because Apple shared with them, obviously, I'm not speaking of any inside knowledge here, but shared with them early on what the roadmap would look like. And they have the ability for you to make an app experience uh, profoundly different within an iOS device today than it was before. And uh, it's it's a massive shift, and it's equally important as NFC. Uh, it's equally important because Apple Pay is really... Uh, a, a two-headed uh, uh, creature. It will be a five-headed creature by Apple 2.0, Apple Pay 2.0, but a two-headed creature in a fact that it manifests in a retail setting uh, with NFC and in a non-retail setting via Apple Pay's uh, APIs and uh, retail pay and uh, uh, and passbook. Mm.
2: So you were going to speak a little bit about the Apple Pay logo itself.
1: Yeah, so Apple Pay logo, why did they choose that Look at the front window of every retail store in the United States, probably around the world. And Visa, I see MasterCard,
2: American Express on the screen. Get sticker. ready
1: for a new sticker, exactly the same format, but it's gonna have an Apple logo with pay next to it everywhere. So Apple is branding their iconic bitten Apple sim, uh, you know, symbol, an iconic symbol. And it's gonna be advertised everywhere. And it's gonna be linked to creativity, it's gonna be linked to prestige. Retail stores will be proud to display mm. that logo. And so it's it's going to be a reinforcement of the Apple brand. So Apple decided wisely. They were at a crucial point in naming history. Uh, the eye naming history was really a Steve Jobs thing. And I don't think it was, well, even Steve knew that it was reaching its end because every possible iNaming convention was sopped up by competitors, you know, and iWallet, for example, and and, and such. Uh, uh, interestingly, uh, the project internally within Apple was actually called iWallet to some insiders. Um, and it was a, a choice at the very... Crucial moments to to even go in eye iWallet naming, but um, instead they and many really even re- thought
2: it would be called uh, Easy Pay for some reason, right?
1: Easy Pay is not even a a trademarkable term because it's already uh, clearly previous previous use case. Apple used Easy Pay as an internal terminology, and um, within so the really Apple stores, st- <clears throat> yes, it, and and. Um, Another thing that telegraphed the future of NSC was when Apple replaced every one of the EasyPay 2 devices, which was based on uh, a sled that was made by one company, Uh, and now uh, with the Verifone sled, which is clearly an EMV, an NFC device. And uh, on uh, the 19th, you'll be able to, uh, if you got the phone, you'll be able to go into Apple and start waving your phone in front of Apple's uh, devices. Now, it's important to understand that Apple is not trying to shut down innovation and payments and creativity. This is the largest opportunity for payment-based uh, startups or any startup in the history of Apple. I will go on record as saying that this is going to be profoundly important Because what Apple is doing is not owning the farm. In fact, they did everything that payment startups were doing uh, in the opposite direction. They're opening up opportunity. Payment startups arrogantly moved into the market and said, I don't want to work with you infrastructure people. I don't want to work with you ISOs. I don't want to work with you processors and banks. Mm. I'll pinch my nose and work with just the few of them. Apple instead worked the other way and said, I want to work with everybody. In fact, you app developers out there, you want to come up with some great ideas, work with it. But what here, here's what we're not going to open up. We're not going to open up the NFC radio for you to transmit payment details. That's our province. We're not going to open it up for you to do person-to-person payments. That's our province. Now, I'm going to paint out something I think is going to be near and dear to your heart. And I, I, I'm going to put this out there very, uh, very delicately. PayPal was not invited to the Apple party. Square was not invited to the Apple party. Uh, These are two companies that have, and Google most definitely was not invited to the Apple party. These three companies notably have a person-to-person payment system that they're trying to champion. Who else could build a person-to-person payment system and make it pervasive and not compete with Apple?
2: Uh, uh, Facebook only.
1: That's right. So in the future, uh, let's call it Apple Pay 3.0, but Mm -hmm. perhaps sooner. A guy named David Marcus may wind up wearing a crown that nobody could possibly imagine, and that would be the crown of being an Apple partner. And that is, Apple is going to allow you and me and everybody to hold our phones within distance and transfer a small amount. It will never be large amounts, by the way, ever, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, you know the legal reasons and philosophical yep, yep. reasons. But l- notably, small amounts will be passed by phone. And who's in a position to take hold of that? A guy named David Marcus and Facebook. And they wisely chose to take a path. Uh, and I think when we finally look at what Apple Pay is going to be about and uh, you know, person-to-person payments, and, and as I've always said, the line's going to blur by the way, what person-to-person payments are Yeah, it's just going to be payments,
2: right? Be it micropayments, be it a person, one-to-many, yeah. many-to-one. But I don't know if you know that this week, of oh, 13th of uh, September, uh, Amazon decided to give a 30-day notice that they're shutting down their P2P payments.
1: Yes, and that is a remarkable... P- I, I didn't have time to write about it, but um, I think you might have done some mention of it. And it's a remarkable Yeah, because I, uh, th- sh-
2: I saw two things that were uh, pretty... well. One thing, rather, uh, that was pretty impressive, well, disturbing, if you will, uh, is Amazon does not have license in California or New York for money
1: transmission. Yeah, I, I, I was always perplexed by that. And, and I was
2: and, like, you know, this could be a reason state state regulator clamping down, perhaps fraud, maybe, I don't know, but uh, maybe not enough traction, or maybe... Uh, Jeff Bezos has got something else up his sleeve, and he says, let's shut this down, and then we'll launch the true product.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's more like that. I think your instincts are probably uh, correct. Um, but, you know, the, the the thing about person-to-person payments, and by the way, this is not an anti-Bitcoin story at all. No, I, no, no. I fully assert, fully assert that Apple will become involved in digital currencies as a facilitator again. uh, There are some companies that we don't even know of today that are being worked on uh, maybe by somebody 17, 21 years old that are going to be one of the first billion-dollar companies that are going to facilitate Ah, uh, Bitcoins in an Apple type of manner. The thing is, most people are approaching this subject from the wrong mindset when they see how Apple has done Apple pay. There's this assuming in a very you know maybe simplistic but, way, okay, we'll just put a Bitcoin wallet and an Apple will take that data and move well, it. No, that, no, no, that's it. still
2: that's still ahead. But you know right now, everyone still sort of assumes that Apple pay is still all about physical retail payments. What are your thoughts (laughs) on uh, it going on to the web, uh, being able to pay to buy a domain or what have you? How will Apple Pay work on the web?
1: Well, currently Apple Pay, uh, in a virtual setting, let's say, not a a non-physical retail setting, requires you to have an app on the phone. And it requires you to use the Apple API framework uh, uh, to communicate with that app um, information that's securely held in the uh, in the uh, Secure Element and Secure Enclave, right? So the the, the pre-resquit is going to be you must have the app. Apple's going to hold on to that experience for quite some time. They want to be able to give is a this benefit. Per, is
2: this perhaps where uh, developers can come in and make you know maybe a QR code uh, to uh, work with the Apple Pay uh,
1: ecosystem? E- we, well, there's going to be a very fine line and I, I've been working very closely with people who chose to Want to contact me on this? Uh, you know, because there's people who have great ideas and mm. they're saying, "Okay, I'm 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 ready to spring." Mm. Uh, there have been a lot of companies in stealth mode waiting for this announcement so that they can move forth with some of their ideas, filling in the ecosystem that Apple's leaving open. And I cannot stress enough, Apple's leaving. Apple just put up the tent posts, and this tent is huge. And we can set up thousands of of, of million dollar companies and quite a few, uh, maybe dozen billion dollar companies in this tent. And uh, Apple doesn't want to own every aspect of it. But here's the thing that I think is very important. And it really goes to what you're saying about web-based payments. Profound, profound thing stated by Tim Cook during interviews afterwards. Charlie Rose, go to Charlie Rose Show and see Tim Cook's part one interview. Go back to the uh, Apple announcement and what Eddie Q said and what Tim Cook said. We do not have an agenda of taking your Information during the transaction. We don't know how much you paid. We don't know so who you paid it to. That was perhaps we don't know where you paid it. You
2: know that to me was perhaps the most because it's all about big data. It's all about learning patterns. It's all about finding you know sequences. It's all about you know being able to predict how the user behavior. Not it's, being able to look inside the packet of what is being purchased. It's game it, over. It. I mean, it's like unbelievable. Apple let go of the diamonds, you know, so to speak.
1: This is is so profoundly important as a a weather change that I I don't think anybody has, even the people who have based their entire business premise, how many many startups, even companies like Square, oh, we're on big data, we're going to be sharing information with Mm. merchants and Mm. consumers. Google, Google's entire wallet premise is based on the advertising model. So this is a shot across the bow, Uh, We we talked about uh, uh, Apple going nuclear. This is the prophecy of a payback that Steve talked about. They are ripping out the very foundational elements of most wallets that are going to compete with Apple. And that is, oh, sign here, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Consumer, and we're going to... We're going to extract every single thing you do on your wallet, and we're going to analyze it, and uh, we'll randomize it, and we'll make it anonymous. But we're going to, uh, you know, uh, uh, focus on giving you ads. Yes, yeah, speaking the mana.
2: Speaking of sign, you, you said something which was very intriguing. Uh, you said that it would not, you would not be required to present your physical ID ever, at, and it's against their rules.
1: It is officially against the rules. A retailer, it will ultimately become against the rules at the state and federal level. Uh, so the 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 days, if you are using an encrypted, a recognized encrypted biometric device to pay, you are not obligated to show any second form of ID. The ID is the transaction mechanism itself, and this is one huge. And huge this is because
2: predominantly them. of the biometrics that they have, and they are able yeah. to. Certify with a very, very high degree. You are who you are. Higher than
1: higher than uh, a disinterested teenager looking at a signature and a picture. Yeah. And 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 let me tell you, in California, some of those pictures are very liberal. Uh, some women uh, hold on to their eighteen-year-old picture when they're in their forties, and they don't look the same. So it's really impossible to use this notion of. You know, you look well. It's like the whole thing with let me have your picture on my iPad, and mm. when you come in and say your name, I'm going to verify that that's who you are. That's an invalid system. Uh, the next thing is your signature. How many people really are looking at your signature when they're comparing it to none, your driver's none, license? None. none. Yeah. But, Especially with the electronic tablet. So the present the presentiment of uh, an ID is is a, is like carrying an old eight track tape player. You know to. a to uh you know uh to an MP3 party. party
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's like come on guys so so that that's also going to be a fashion statement and a statement of prestige to the elitists because remember apple's early adopters are and I'm not putting this down I'm one of them you we're all going to be one we, we are somewhat elite in the sense that the early users of these systems are going to be the 1% of the 1%. They're going to go out, and when they're going through the lines, they're going to be able to not have to say anything. Like when a, when a checkout person says, uh, ma'am, can I see your ID? Sir, mm-hmm. may I see it? You're going to just wave your arm, and you're going to take the bag and leave.
2: So switching but, gears, Brian, let me ask you something that's been almost like a billion-dollar, well, maybe tens of billions-dollar of dollar question. How are countries outside the US, even in places where Apple is not officially present, going to sort of then come into an agreement with Apple to enable Apple Pay? If Apple well, Pay is going to become a, a payment network, just like Visa or network, how are companies? Uh, how are companies in, let's say, oh, banks in Kenya or India or uh, I don't know, uh, Philippines get on get on board?
1: China, yeah. All right. So, all right. Let's let's take a step back, and we got to really be clear because I make this mistake myself. The terminology is Apple is always just a facilitator. This is immensely important. So, what they have to do every country, uh, every region is they have to negotiate with the payment card brands, and some regions like everybody thinks Visa and Mastercard is this one company, you know, all around the world. They're different companies in different regions. In Europe, it's almost an independent company for both Visa and Mastercard uh, and and Electron, etc. Uh, there are other regional payment brands that they have to negotiate with. As long uh, as long as they are keeping the dialogues with those brands, then they have the uh, province to also speak to the banks Uh, you kind of have it's a chicken or egg thing but they start with the brands so let's look at China for example Apple held very early talks with China uh, uh, UnionPay and UnionPay is the uh, monolithic payment uh, 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 brand in China and outside of the United States everywhere where uh, Chinese tourists come UnionPay acceptance must be there and that is a discover story ironically uh, because Discover has, in most parts of the United, well, U.S. and some parts of Europe, has the contract to process union pay, mm. and so it's interesting that Discover wasn't part of the party. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and I can tell you it's based on PayPal and and, and not wanting to uh, invite PayPal. Let me sidestep real quickly. Apple is not objectively against PayPal, period. They don't dislike PayPal. What they dislike was PayPal becoming the payment mechanism of the Samsung phone with the fingerprint sensor. And they dislike the idea that PayPal is becoming uh, the go-to place for Android for payments, and uh, you know this has created tension between the companies, uh, and it's it's a tough thing for them to get involved with, and it also was a tough position for Discover to be into because Discover partnered with PayPal to make uh, the PayPal payment system compatible in a manifestation uh, a card manifestation that you can use a uh, a PayPal card as Discover so. Anyway, uh, and the Discovery Network. Anyway, we go to China. China Union Pay is going to be phenomenally big because um, if you were to take every NFC terminal in the world uh, and add it up, China has more it deployed. It's all, all, it's approaching 4 million terminals, and by the end of the year, it would be close to 5 million terminals. Um, you know, China, China is, is big, but the United States is going to catch up very quickly. Uh, in the United States every single merchant will be offered a free upgrade. This is not an opportunity for... A lot of people said it is the opportunity for companies like PayPal and, and Square and all these other companies to give away free uh, you know, dongles on iPads. No, that's childish. Every processor worth their salt is going to call up their merchants, and they have already pretty much contacted them. Oh, you need Apple Pay? Okay, here's a free $35. It costs $35, $40 upgrade. And everybody's going to absorb that. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to China. China... Uh, willingly worked with Apple. And it was a a supremely simple negotiation. China knows that the the middle class is the biggest class in their society, growing rapidly. Uh, Apple products are high brand recognition of high value and interest. And UnionPay wanted to help um, fortify the expansion of NFC. They themselves also uh, see the future with NFC. And so Apple got that negotiation down sometime very soon. Maybe even by the time this is published, we'll hear about uh, the iPhone and China Union Pay and Apple Pay uh, being compatible. Now, other countries, the topography is going to be similar. Apple's got to negotiate with the card-issuing banks of that region. Uh, they're going to negotiate a, a um, rebate or a, a, uh, a percentage uh, coming from um, – uh, the what we would call an interchange. In some regions, it's not officially interchange. Sorry about my phone. It's one of those days today. No, no. Um, uh, yeah, it's starting. Um, so it's going to be one of those situations where uh, each region has to have that negotiation. It's going to take time. Um, and uh, let's just say with the success of what took place in the U.S., that jump-started every region. I don't know of a banking region around the world that is not already either in negotiations or begging to be in negotiations with Apple, including developing countries. Mm. Um, What Apple has done is they've legitimized a transport mechanism that was in disarray and did not have leadership. For one very small period of time, uh, companies like uh, guys like Jack Dorsey and companies like Square could have adopted NFC and, and legitimized and lead and led that uh, uh, much better than Google. Google it was is a great technology company of incredibly brilliant individuals, but they didn't have the skill set with people and negotiations to make it work. And they they hobbled themselves to the carriers and and talk about agendas that Tim Cook said on stage and Eddie Q said about it stayed, uh, on stage about the wallets the the agenda of what is Isis and now um, what is it soft, soft pay I, I don't know um, the agenda was they just wanted to be the gatekeeper and not offer any value they just said our value is we're the phone uh, service and we get to take a a bite out of the apple, so to speak, just because we are. Mm. Apple didn't approach it that way. Apple said, I'm not taking money from you, Mr. Merchant, so I don't need your merchant account. What What startup didn't want the merchant account? That's all they based it on. Oh, I'm going to make money by taking a piece of the merchant account. Apple didn't want anything from the consumer. What's What startup didn't want to be the wallet for that consumer, even though they didn't offer value? Apple said, listen, I'm going to offer a secure mechanism that just works, and I'm going to save you, Mr. Banker, a tremendous amount of money because there's going to be less fraud. And as this gets more adapted, it'll it'll uh, even have even less f- fraud. But let me give you one more thing that I think I'm going I'm to forget if I don't say it right now. Sure. In the future, in a very near future, these banks who have tied their future to the most amazing consumer product company in the world. Everybody said to me, why would Chase and Bank of America and, and all these companies tie their fate to the uh, to Apple? It's because they want to be part of this future. They know Apple is innovative and the brands just sitting next to each other. Look at all the ads. Uh, look at all the pictures of Apple Pay. Who's, who's there? You're going to see primarily Chase. And Chase wants that association in the future. And uh, one, one sidestep the big failure of Coincard. And I did, I gave this for free. The failure of Coincard to get the attention of the payment card companies was because they removed all forms of branding off the Coincard. Yeah, Coin I card think it was one of our very first
2: shows that you said that that they, you know yeah. you they have completely unmasked all the brand identity in that way Billions of
1: dollars are spent on branding in all these companies and it is insanely immature to think that anybody is just going to give it up to some startup that this you know black boxed their, their their credit card. So it, it's, it's unfortunately uh, obvious now. Okay, what did Apple do? Apple richly recreated the payment card. Look at the pictures. If you want to see what I'm talking about, uh, anybody listening, go out and search for Apple Pay on I- uh, on Apple Watch and look at how they richly reproduced the payment card. Logos, colors, uh, service marks, brand marks, everything in, in, in high-definition detail. Mm. In the future, that's going to be an animation. Uh, understand, 2.0, that card is going to animate. And so you so when you, when you say
2: away. 2.0, it almost makes me Compare Apple to, let's say, uh, WeChat, uh, Tencent's product, which is also one of the most <laughs> successful wallets out there. Yes. I mean it's, it, it's got a, US, yeah. So yeah, payment, games, apps, uh, movies, everything else. Apple's pretty got pretty much got the same thing: payment, game, app, movies, the ability to pay at retail. Although Tencent did have an issue with that, uh, the companies tried to you know squeeze them and so forth. But nonetheless, so it, it's almost a in, in some ways, the Chinese equivalent of Tencent and WeChat uh, being implemented today. How do, you see it, how do you see the wallet getting better in, in version 2.0 and
1: 3.0? Well, first off, uh, just to complete one thing before I forget, is at some future date, mm-hmm. and it's not reasonably too far, we will, we, will have our, we will have our payment card delivered to us virtually via Apple, and it will just appear in our wallet. Imagine the world where we get a relationship with a bank, and they'll say, "Do you Would you like a card, sir?" Nah, I don't need one. They virtually send you a card through the Apple ecosystem, and it becomes a um, a uh, image that comes alive in mm. your wallet. Mm. There are going to be things that are going to take place inside the card itself, in the animations, to not only confirm certain things in the future, but to give you options. Okay. So what is 2.0 about? 2.0 about is about back-end integration. Again, working with and not working against. Not replacing POS systems, but working with existing POS systems to make them better. One of the reasons why Larry Ellison bought Oracle will become very apparent. <clears throat> I didn't think it was going to be in Apple Pay 1, but it'd be much more apparent in Apple Pay 2. I didn't even know it was Apple Pay. I was really thinking it was iWallet. hmm no, I actually it wasn't, but there's was something else I thought it was going to be, and I can't say that because it might still be used. Uh, by the way, Passbook is a is a holding name. It's not really going to be where all this is taking place. So in the future, um, Passbook will become less of a name and, and more of a, another name. Uh, let's just put it that way. So what is going to happen right now when I go to a merchant? Now, this is going to sound like I just inverted what I said before about privacy and that Apple doesn't get to know anything. But you got to follow me very closely because it's hard for a lot of people to understand. I've explained this so many times in the last um, uh, five days here or or so. Okay, so Apple 2.0 is about back-end integration. When I go into an Apple Pay 1.0 NFC transaction today, I only get one thing as a receipt. The fact that I am physically at this location and I paid somebody something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much. That's my receipt. That is not a feature or a uh, benefit or a downside of NFC. It's just a reality. That NFC transmission, Apple will ne- would have not even, if they wanted to uh, take down the, um, the wall and see what was going on, they couldn't have seen the money that was being transmitted because there's no feedback in NFC. There's no back coming at you from the device uh, in, in standard NFC protocols, it said, okay, you just paid me $20. All that it does is it pushes out the payment card details, and then the merchant's device tells uh, how much to take from that card. So Apple was bound not to get that information anyway in this version. In 2.0, Apple's going to have agreements with merchants, which will allow them to get back-end information from their POS system to populate a legitimate receipt that will be held in today we'll call it passbook so when I go back to my passbook and I open up that receipt I already know that I was at Target that's there it already tell me the date and time and the location but it's also going to tell me item by item detail by detail what I paid how much I paid and who, what it was I bought now Apple is not taking that information all they're doing is piping it back down into your wallet with your permission, by the way. You don't have to opt into this, nor does the merchant. Everything else will just work. But if you want the rich details, it comes back down. But Apple is not talking about this today for good reason because that sounds contradictory to we don't know and we don't see. The thing is, they won't know and they won't see because this information will be encrypted in a pipeline that's piped right into the secured enclave and Apple is just merely populating that receipt and it's held securely securely in your device, and not in the cloud. This is a very, very important element. Mm. That data, transaction data, and, and Apple's going to have a, a challenge to explain this. Here I tried to explain it very simply, and it sounds complex. But they're going to have a challenge explaining it. But when they finally get it in a mindset of people, I think most people are going to opt in and say, yeah, I'd like to have that information, but here's where it gets better, Faisal. Recommendations. The merchant will be able to pipe along with that receipt a live recommendation system. So you'll now in in 2.0, very likely, maybe 3.0, because again, nobody can predict exact. uh, When you open up that, when you do that transaction and you lift your finger off the touch ID and it's complete, Mm -hmm. instantaneously, you'll have this dynamic receipt in your window of your phone. And you'll see everything you bought along with a couple of recommendations and also, of course, the points that you just made from the transaction, the loyalty, and uh, you know your free gift that you're going to get. And you can press on that live receipt and push something back to the merchant and say, yes, I'd like that accessory. And perhaps, even before you leave the store, it would be given to you and already charged to your existing Sounds something
2: like uh, what an iBeacon would do, you know, recommend something this out is, to you.
1: This is now here. was where we come into iBeacons. So everybody was viciously angry that was... Buying into this idea. Remember we had this debate uh, probably dozens of times? Uh, not debates because you guys all kind of knew this, but the debate with the imaginary person that said, iBeacons is the direction Apple's going in with payments and NFC's dead and why would they have two radios? <laughs> and what did I say? I said this was about uh, about the gap of air distance between your phone and your your uh, your um, payment terminal and that you could not use rationally uh, iBeacons or uh, BLE more specifically, as a way to triangulate exactness of where somebody is. The reason why we're waving in front of a device is because we can have reasonable assurity that this is the intention of the individual. i got to tell you, uh, and a lot of people aren't understanding this, there is motion detection that's taking place during this wave. And you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Uh, This is a reality. So it's not just a fact that you intend to pay. It's the intent that you've positioned the watch in a in a sort of wave setting. Not so much the iPhone; it's the the, the setting is more press the touch ID. But it's also reading the uh, motion that you are making an intention to move your hand towards that terminal and and uh, in and that motion is combined with uh, a trigger that will uh, bring up. Uh, the um, NFC radio, it will activate it. NFC is not on all the time. Yeah, it's a uh, close,
2: close proximity,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, they they actually turn off the power to NFC until a certain sort of motion is presented. And it, just, and it will come on certainly a lot of different times throughout the day, by not by accident, just by potential of misreads. But it doesn't mean anything to you or battery life. But when you do intend and you raise it up and you put your fingerprint on the same time the, the motion and the fingerprint will activate the radio and turn it on. And, uh, of course, the same thing with the, with the wave. So BLE and iBeacons are amazingly integrated into future versions of Apple Pay. Let's call it 2.0, 3.0, and on. And this is going to be hyper-localization by the acquisition of um, a company called Passive, who invented a Nikola Tesla type of uh, Energy harvesting system where they would uh, literally take the energy of the radio waves that surround all of us, harvest it inside of what essentially are capacitors, but really more batteries, uh, and they store that energy and they, they will power these eye beacon devices. Uh, these are so inexpensive to produce that it, we're talking about mills of pennies to produce them in volume. Uh, I am going to assert that at some future date they will replace the UPC code on boxes. Wow. And will will be they're going to be so inexpensive that the ink will cost more than in, embedding the iBeacon, so iBeacons are going to be around us all over the place, and they're going to be uh, richly offering a lot of detail. But again, look at Apple's leadership. Prior to Apple, we were living in, and I'm nothing against social networks, but we were living in this world where we just kept giving more and more and more of our private data. And then Google taking more and more of our private data, and we figured, oh, we're getting some benefit. Apple is, again, shifting the tables on this and saying, no, there's no benefit ultimately to the consumer unless they implicitly give this permission. Now, let's go back to this one second again, because I got to state this very clearly. Because this debate's going to go on and rage. When you went into the store and paid cash this week for something, did you have to give that merchant your name? No, not at all. Did you have to give him so your email address? It's a very
2: anonymous transaction.
1: That's right. That's right. It's anonymous not because you're guilty. It's because just because you shop a- at a store, I it think doesn't mean that merchant by a des- a right.
2: It's anonymous by design, I guess.
1: Yes, but just because you shop somewhere, let's look at what has been going on like a wild party in the startup community. This notion that just because you are shopping somewhere, that by virtue gives the fact uh by virtue of that fact gives a right to the merchant to know who you are, your personal data, and maybe uh extracted from big data your prior buying habits and uh you know who you can sort with and who your friends are and all this. No, no. It's time to reverse that trend. And Apple is saying that right now. They're saying, listen, if you go into a merchant It doesn't mean that they don't have a right. uh, It doesn't mean you don't want to necessarily share the data. It's that merchant doesn't immediately have a right to your data simply because you're buying something in their store. Mm -hmm. And then implicitly, this is 2.0 and iBeacons, implicitly you may choose to share information with that data and then you have not just somebody that's ripping off your personal information and, and and harvesting that and using it and saying, I sell more donuts on Tuesday afternoons and junk like that. Apple's going to say, we're going to create a rich environment where we're going to create value just like we did in the payment systems ecosystem. We're going to create value for you, Mr., Mr. and Mrs. Consumer by working with the retailers to... Possible wisely. upsell. Yes, it's not just even upsell. It's all about loyalty also. It's also about understanding um, what is going to happen after the sale. You know, a lot of startups really based everything on the receipt. You know, Faisal, how many times do you open up your email receipts that you get? All right, I, and I've asked thousands of people, including payment startup founders, who were, were going to base their company around receipts. And I said, okay, the receipt as we know it today is is really a dead mechanism. What Apple is truly going to do is make what we are currently calling a receipt, but we'll call it a post-transaction relationship, become alive and dynamic. And they're going to be able to do that with iBeacons. And how does that happen? Because first off, your data is always in your control, in your secure enclave, and it's not out in the cloud for anybody to have their way with it. And so when you walk back into that store, understand this, when you walk back into that store in a future incarnation of uh, Apple Pay, you could implicitly give the, uh, permission for that store under the, uh, very conti- con, uh, constrained circumstances to offer you something based on your prior purchases that you've allowed them to share from your secured enclave. So
2: that almost sounds like loyalty and retention uh, coming into is, play now.
1: Oh my God, you're right on the money. And now you see it, Right. There, I, I've explained this to a lot of people over the years, and especially this last week, and he just don't get it the first time around. What we're doing is we're giving the power back to the consumer to implicitly con- control who gets to see what and when. This is going to destroy almost every major business model that were built around payments with big data and small data and sharing information and charts and, and graphs. Uh, and it's giving the power back to the uh, consumer, but also giving the, per, uh, the power back to the merchant directly. Right without uh, without a gatekeeper saying, "Oh, you mm. want to know more about your customers? I'll oh, pay me thousands of dollars and I'll tell you how you can do that." Because I have to monetize my my uh, eight billion dollar valuation. You know, it's it's not that way, and and it's not like Apple is in, specifically targeting startups. They're really more going after Google, and 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 in some ways uh, PayPal and that, that whole model because it's all built on. St- I feel stealing your personal information. Uh, and I mean, stealing it in a sense that. If people really understood how people having their way with it, it it, it is frightening. Uh, if they're frightened about being spied on uh, by governments, this should be more frightening. Mm. Uh, so you know.
2: So we we've crossed our hour mark, and uh, so two things I want to ask you in closing. One is how do you feel it has helped? Uh, Visa and Mastercard especially Mastercard with their uh, oh master gosh. you know master uh, master pass I believe and how do and you th- and,
1: and, and Paywave had Visa yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and and uh th- the second question is how do you think in the next maybe 6 months what sort of uh, adoption figures and numbers uh, would we see wow
1: all right i'm uh, packing that um this is an endorsement of what I call the practical and pragmatic realities of the world. Uh, the practical and pragmatic realities of the world is you don't just decimate everybody in the ecosystem or arrogantly walk in and say we, you know, we're in a hoodie or snot nose and we're going to go in there and tell you how to how things are. It is uh, a uh, reinforcement of how real business gets done. And this is the Apple way. Apple could have eliminated record labels. They didn't. Mm. They could have eliminated movie companies, they didn't. They could have eliminated cellular companies, they didn't. Book companies, well, they weren't so good about that. There were some nasty things that went on with book companies. But ultimately, Apple is a facilitator. They want to take an existing experience, look at the problems, and solve real problems. Make things that were not working well. Make them work better. Not trying to change behaviors, not trying to make a new way to pay. This is not a new way to pay. They did not invent NFC, they didn't invent Visa and MasterCard. And Apple's the first to tell you that's not our mission. We're trying to make something that was broken. And why was it broken? It wasn't the payment card itself, it worked fast, it was the security. The security was broken, and everybody missed that. It was the it was a big multi ton elephant sitting in the room that everybody missed, and I, I kept pointing to. it. I go, security is a problem, and that's why when I said tokenization is the largest, I was back when uh, January, when tokenization was being uh, uh, presented as a um, as a method. I said it's the largest startup opportunity, and technology company opportunity that will ever take place. And it is. Well, tokenization
2: has absolutely changed the way uh, payment facilitators are working. Now you look at Stripe, Balanced, WePay, you name it. It's all about tokenization.
1: It, and, absolutely, and 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 it it gives you and me much higher sense of security. Uh, with well, with not what just we're us, sharing. it it
2: it really reduces your control requirements for PCI DSS. It uh, yeah. gives you great coverage as far as the acquiring bank who are, under, who are underwriting you. You know, you get better rates and so forth. Your yeah. insurance costs go down.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and, and and right on target with that because uh, ultimately PCI DSS is going to become irrelevant if everything is tokenized. Who cares? I mean, you're going to have reasonable security, of course. I'm not being really ridiculous, but really, at the end of the day, what is somebody going to do with that envelope? When even if they could open that encrypted envelope, right? Because it's encrypted and one-time use tokenized, right? Who's going to be able to use it? Nobody. So, uh, you know, those days are over. The big hacks, you know, by the. Uh, I'd I'd give it a a big uh, stretch. Ten years from now, nobody's even going to care. And so if you're a PCI company, uh, you might want to move on to other things in the future. Um, So it helps Visa and MasterCard because... It makes them vitally important to the ecosystem. I was talking to you about before how uh, virtual cards are going to be issued. Mm. Uh, uh, these companies know that in the future they're not going to be sending cards out to people. They're going to be sending out uh, relationships to the device that you have that are authorized. This r- profoundly changes the uh, dynamic, and Apple has brilliantly give them a palette to work with. They're giving them an image on a phone that will become a uh, animated image and uh, a a, a Let's call it an API itself for you to communicate with your bank. And I think you, you saw this a couple of shows ago that Apple could ultimately become sort of a banker. And this is going to be sort of the new banker, but not by replacing the bank, but by essentially creating this communication channel between you and your financial institution in real time. And uh, when I talked about person-to-person payments, I, I, I missed one part. Apple is going to give the opportunity for bankers to do what uh, all these startups were trying to do inside of uh, Apple Pay in the future. Mm-hmm. They're going to give them a shot. It's not going to be one company is going to be the person to person. There's going to be a couple of options, but the bankers are going to finally, I think, get their act together and say, hey, we ACH, all these other mechanisms, we better get our act together and create a unified system where somebody can beam 10 bucks to the person right next to them and not have to go through a third-party system. So there's going to be competition coming from banks, uh, but we have to separate that Visa and Mastercard, incredible, and and uh, American Express, incredibly strong positions post, uh, you know uh, September, uh, you know this uh, announcement, mm. uh, September 9th announcement, uh, payment card processors incredibly reinforced. Apple did not say we're disrupting you and making everybody throw away Verifone devices and now you have to use iPods and uh, iPads. They, they're saying, no, your, your, your systems are valid. In fact, guess what? This is particularly coming from Tim Cook two processors. We need companies that have salespeople. We need companies that are going to go out and not only help merchants understand these upgrades, but make sure that they work correctly. This is the endorsement of what I've been trying to say for almost a decade to these companies. Oh, you don't need a salesperson? You don't need a technical support telephone line on your website? Guess what? Apple's passing you by ultimately because you didn't do that. Uh, you should have done it day one. You should have built sales channels to, to go out there. Tweets do not support merchants. Merchants are going to need to be educated. And right now, the entire payment industry has marshaled up and they're calling merchants and they're sitting down with them and saying, yes, you can have Apple Pay acceptance. So if your business plan is, I'm going to disrupt uh, the ecosystem by coming out with a cheap uh, uh, you know, NFC device, do something else, please don't waste more billions of dollars of investor money. Do something else. there's so many opportunities you so know,
2: one one app that keeps popping up in my mind again and again is the ability to provide a for lack of a better word, digital signature—a signature equivalent from it. from from the Apple device. You know, I mean, you want my sign for a bank account opening? Well, here's my signature. Pop. You know, you have it. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, and from a KYC element, from anti money laundering element, this is a fantastic thing because the identity has not only been proven by you know the 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 device fingerprinting, the fingerprinting of the cards, biometrics, uh, biometrics, yeah. but the biometrics. I mean. It would be so inherently difficult for a person to forge a device, the biometrics, the the, the card associations, you know, that you have in your device, and say, you know, I am doing this. So, from a, from a person to person on a global remittance uh, level, uh, money transfer level, you know, this is a fantastic thing because the identity is proven beyond doubt.
1: Darn it, Faisal, you just gave away a incredibly brilliant and valuable startup idea. I mean, let's just say that. That is that it that element of a profoundly high level of um, of uh, identity verification. How much better can you get than biometric? And I'm not just even talking about just fingerprint. There's other elements that I ultimately mean, will tie it pain. to
2: the email, and you know this email is coming from this address. Period. I mean, there's no way uh, someone can you know say, well, it's the, not me. You know, or you give an go authorization down
1: that road. Go down that road, you could probably spend a few hours. Your mind will just start, you know, mm. tingling with ideas. What does the world look like when your device, which is now becoming your main computer as they get bigger? It, the, the lines are going to merge on what a computer and a device is, right? It knows who you are and can go out to the world and verify you, uh, without giving up your identity. Just saying, I know. That this is Faisal Khan. There's no doubt about it. You know, I authorized this email. I used to
2: say, I mean, you, you, we started with you know Frank McNamara's uh, I, you know idea of creating the the uh, card, which is the Diners card. It was a payment channel. Yeah. Uh, it translated and morphed into a payment instrument. I think I would like to upgrade that. When, when I say that the payment, the mobile phone is today not a payment channel but a payment instrument, but also an identity instrument. You know.
1: You know, you know, and, and you're, you're bringing something up that this is so brilliant is because what Frank did when he created Diners Club is the original Diners Club didn't even have a number on it. It was just your signature. When you handed your card over mm-hmm. to the merchant, yeah, yeah. you were handing over your confirmed identity. It, it, it sounds so crude and, and archaic today, but your very signature was you and who you represented you were where you fit into the ecosystem of society it said a lot about you i mean and- identity
2: abuse is huge you know i mean yeah. uh, so i check into a you know a roach motel and <laughs> i don't want to give my credit card or my my driver's license copy to them because i don't no. know if this clerk is going to abuse it later on uh, or you- sell it or something but if i can just you know Give a, a wave and a pass, or what have you, and you know, give my identity away in a digital format as a token. Nothing they can do about it, you know.
1: And and this does not con- uh, contradict, uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin and algorithmic currencies Mm-mm-mm-mm. and digital currency. In fact, they will merge together. Ultimately, you'll have this convergence. But. We get back to that thing about identity. the The thing that made Diners Club so immensely valuable in its early days was the same thing that's going to make Apple Pay immensely valuable. There is a status symbol attachment to it, Hmm. and I remember I wasn't, uh, you know, I'm an old man, but you know, I remember the days uh, people telling me the early days of um, of Diners Club. People would would literally put their fork down and look across the restaurant when somebody presented a diner's club. It would almost, and, and the, the respect level was so high. It, oh, you have a diner's club. You mm. know, people would be whispering and you would get VIP treatment. So there's a perk right here already. There's a loyalty perk program it, it, ostensibly being built around the fact that your signature is on a piece of cardboard that happens to say diner's club. Now, as we moved along, what in fact were the payment card companies? All they were doing was vouching for your identity, saying, "I know this guy." This is before even there were. Uh, you got to be aware there weren't even, weren't even credit reporting agencies for many years. That didn't come until the late seventies. Uh, that really to the to the level that necessary to issue. Most of it was just based on looking at you as an upstanding citizen you have a mortgage you have a family i mean literally they we're using psychodemographics and i figure well you got a mortgage a family mm. you got a decent job he's not going anywhere he's good for a thousand bucks and and that's how it started so it was all based on identity so i mean i, mean, I can almost see it optics, you know uh,
2: like new york and maybe the new chemical bank someone walks up to an adm waves a hand hits 50 and gets the fifty. That's it. Yeah. You know, the yeah. AD, the ATM machine gets changed. There's so many apps. Uh, you know, starting cars with the new Apple biometrics, uh, or opening uh, your locks, or what have
1: you. Getting on a train. Yeah. You, you don't. You just. You, but I think uh, public a
2: door. public uh, transport is going to be one of the biggest benefactors of this thing. Oh like, my gosh! Like you said beforehand, you know, it's the Oyster card on steroids. I think it's going to be the yeah. same thing.
1: They're going to be. They're going to be. And get this: the elitism is going to go very far. They're going to be airlines and access areas where you just basically you you wave your NFC device and the door opens. Otherwise, you ain't getting in. Mm-hmm. They're going to be restaurants and nightclubs that are going to have access control. They're going to be sports stadiums where you're walking through the turnstile, and unless you have an NFC device, you got to go wait in that long line. See mm-hmm. that long line that going around the block? Mm-hmm. Those are the people that have paper tickets. See that? See that line over there? Those are people who have NFC-based tickets that are based on Passbook or Apple. Apple's already working with uh, Major League Baseball. And this year, uh, this next season, you're going to see lines that uh, that only iPhone 6 users can get into. And uh, you're going to see, for example, ordering food. You know, everybody thinks, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll make a startup where I can do food ordering and delivery. No, Sorry. Apple is going to get involved in food ordering in a very meaningful way, much more deeper than most people realize. So you're going to be sitting at your seat. Uh, your seat's already going to have a BLE device uh, or, or, or uh, let's call it a, an iBeacon. It's going to know a lot about you and you're going to be able to order And uh, either an app or the person will come back. And as they deliver, they'll pass by your device and... You will authorize the order. Mm-hmm. There's other things that are good. So the future. This is this all sounds utopian and science fiction like, but realistically, even the basic things we just talked about, they're already on. They're already there. I mean, they're basically there. Oyster card, you know as well as I do. That's that's radically trans, uh, transformed um, transportation. It's NFC based, and anybody outside the United States that's worked in those regions or or traveled in those regions are blown away. On how brilliantly simple it works, um, and uh, you're going to see the world come around to this. Um, it is going to be an NFC world. Uh, it's going to um, it's going to be about access. It's going to be about payments. It's going to be about identity, and really, it really does loyalty, focus down to exchanges thing. loyalty. Yeah. As soon as we open up the back end of the POS system through the APIs that Apple will make available, we're going to see a profoundly different thing about loyalty than we ever could have thought about. It will come down to a relationship that you have with the manufacturer of your product. I'll leave you with this notion about uh, loyalty. You do not go to a store because of the store. You go to a store because of the product. The store is a facilitator to your relationship with the product. And if you hold that notion in your mind really deeply, you'll understand how the world of loyalty is going to change dramatically and profoundly. If you're a startup founder with even a sense of wanting to be in this world, understand the loyalty will always ultimately be between the consumer and the product. Mm. And if, if you can find a way to facilitate that relationship in a meaningful way, you will create one of the first billion-dollar companies specifically tied to this new post-September 9th Apple Pay world. Because Apple is not going to take over every aspect. They built that tent, and that tent has enough uh, distance and space to put many skyscrapers in. And so, yeah, if you wanted to own the, the consumer side and the merchant side, game over move on. If you're just going to go and say, I'm going to do merchant accounts and I'm going to make it more rich in data, move on because the data is not going to be very rich and you ain't going to make that much money on merchant accounts. That's a dying uh, dying uh, fossil. Uh, where the real opportunity lies is to take you know, the, the, the uh, Newton and Einstein thought experiment, sit back under an apple tree, <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. and look at the world and say, okay, Apple, stop complaining, stop belly aching. that disruption is over. Look at the world now and say, what opportunities did they make? I'm going to tell you this. Again, I wasn't a big Apple Watch supporter, ostensibly, until I, I had to wait to see the device. That's I'm too materialistic in that way. But now I look at it and I say, how many new loyalty and payment type things, not necessarily directly, you know, uh, but tangentially related to payments, is that Apple Watch going to do for me? And and will that be what drives it? There's a debate right now with some of my most really deep thinking friends that they don't really think the iWatch is going to have anything really to be the driving force of, 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 um, uh, you know, biome let's call it healthcare and health kit type things. That's Mm. going to be one of the features, but they really see it as a two prong thing. And you'll love this because you know, this it's about communication and payments. And they really see that these things are going to be tied together in a very meaningful way and much deeper than most of us can realize. So that there's that opportunity. And uh, I think when we look back 10 years from now, we're still on, uh, on the podcast as a, a great old man saying, oh, I remember the days, you know. Uh, when we look back, we're going to say, wow. It was it was somewhat obvious, but man. We were so right. Huh? <laughs> well, you know, actually, we can both say that right now. I mean, you know. I know, because uh,
2: I, I think one of the things that I feel uh, that you posted your post on Cora regarding Apple, I mean, so many people were, well, I would say many people were questioning, you know, all this, patent reading that he's doing, you know, what is what does it mean? And it's just I, I you know, when I saw the Apple uh, keynote address and everything else, I I almost felt vindicated for you because I felt, you know, Brian's been right all along and here it it is all coming together, being stitched right in front of our eyes.
1: If I saw I gotta thank you for that. and and I gotta say it's it's been a long journey. its it been, is. It's been I tough. Mean. It's been tough at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I uh, we talked uh, off uh, off record here. I, I've been uh, uh, you know i I, don't, I can't be insulted anymore, but I, I've been purposely insulted and belittled by some of the most uh, important uh, some of the most important people I respect in the payments industry because of the views I held. And uh, I, I, I I tried my hardest to say, okay, Brian, give it up. I know you know that this is rational and logical, but nobody wants to hear it. And, you know, it was tough at times, you know. Mm. Every time a, a, new, a, a new thing would come out, see, you know. And, um, you know, and I understand people. I, I hold, the people who may have said these things, I have zero grudge. I have zero, I still have endless respect. I, I don't even need I told you so's and stuff like that. I was, mm. I was really blown away. Uh, a really well-known VC that I had an argument with many years ago uh, concerning payment startups. Uh, we became friends and he sent me the day after a uh, image of Babe Ruth uh, pointing out to the home field uh, during wow. the World Series. hand <laughs> signed it and said you called it uh, you know Brian and, and you know I can't show it because he put his name on there and, and really boldly, I must well, say. Good for
2: him I, for uh, acknowledging yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and he gave me a do- well, he helped reserve a domain uh, name uh, payment uh, expert. and I was kind of blown away by that notion and I've I've linked it to core and I ultimately want to link it to just being a, a a a free exchange of information at some point of uh, what apple pay is and stuff. Anyway, what he said was you know, I'm going to go out and kick uh, kick butt and take names for you cuz I've heard a lot of people debate your positions and uh you know, they really need to come back around. Like, I don't need them to come back around. I thank you for the gesture. But, you know, he actually called me up. The, the call was very early in the morning, the day after. And he I mumbled voice, I'm eating my hat, Brian, you know, and I'm like, oh man, this is so funny. Uh, but, you know, the thing about it is it's not about me at all. It's about let's get about the business of trusting history. Let's get about the business of trusting people with experience. Let's get away from this notion that all you need to do in this world today to be of value is disrupt things. Mm. I believe in disruption 100%, but we'll only see one or two of those in our lifetime. That's true disruption. And Google Maps may have been one of them, right? Uh, That was a disruption. That disrupted paper maps to some degree. Uh, But there is not really that much more. So let's stop chasing that ghost and let's get about the business of making things work better. Let's get about the business of making life better. And we will not only create more value in this world, we'll actually have some of these venture capitalists get their payouts because the narrative that was used from the you know, the payment disruption days of 2010 to 2012, gone. The new narrative post-Apple Pay is let's make things work better. And there are brilliant minds at these companies. Mm. The Companies that are bummed out right now. Let me tell you, I don't think there's a payment company that isn't bummed out. And they shouldn't be. They should have known this. It was there. They didn't have to read me, this, read patents. look at the world, trust history. You can change the world still. You still have the ability to change this world. You can still make amazing things. It won't look the same. But stop getting, get over yourself with the insular attitude. Get over the stel- yourself with, you know, we know better. And, you know, you might even do better as a company to go to the world and say, you know, we got it wrong. We got it all wrong. Our wallet, our ideas, some of them were really wrong. It's And, and stop trying to hide it that, you know, good startups make mistakes. Get out there and say it. I made huge mistakes. But here's what we're going to do, and here's how we fit into the ecosystem. I think... You have more respect from the universe that way than if you try to candy coat it with one, you know, one word responses about what you're doing or we're going to be compatible. Just go out there and say, called it the wrong way. Here's what we're going to do, and 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 so that's the future, I think. And and this is let's look at this show as part one. Because we miss Mike, Uh, Mike is somewhere in the the in
2: the air traveling. Yeah,
1: and and uh, and uh, on a safe journey. And And uh, I think uh, Mike, this is what
2: this is what happens when you travel. So the podcast goes for ninety minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you you get me blabbing at the mouth. No, no, but this uh, is
2: an important thing. It's a it's a historic event.
1: You don't get to see uh, next podcast. We need to be more about. the the insights of all of us and and let's look at because this really needs to have a deeper study uh, some of the tangential things that this is going to be and you really richly uh, brought that up with identity and I think we could go into a a whole uh, uh, segment uh, just talking about how identity is and as always
2: if anyone has any questions for the next podcast we'd love to hear them
1: I'd be honored because I think this generates more questions than I think um, even I think of. And, uh, and uh, we
2: will be breaking this podcast down to individual sections. So if you want to listen about identity or, for example, how MasterPay is going to work or what is the biometrics, you will be able to do so.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, Faisal, I'm I, honored Thank honored you very for much. This conversation.
2: Take care. And we miss a- you,
1: Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you take care.
2: Take care. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye.
0: T.co. you